he learns he's going to be a, a dad and he's overjoyed. He's crying. He's like, it's a daughter, right? And it's like, Mm-mm, it's a son. And he's just like, well, just better with the other sons I've got. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> he's got a room of like 38 sons. There's just a room in his house that's covered in mud that like when you open it, it's just boys roughhousing. <laughs> yeah. and, and when he opens the door, there's like eight of them going, Papa. And then <laughs> yeah. he's like, another one. And just throws it in. And his wife is like, please, I can't give birth again. And he's Why like, don't we just adopt? I, yeah, he's like, yeah, she's like, you can have a daughter. There are so many little girls who would want a father like you. And he's like, no, it must be of my own seed. Hello and welcome to the Lyric Boys podcast. I am Lucian Flores and with me, as always, unavoidably so, is Andrew Stieglitz. It's avoidable, but you just don't want to avoid it. You need me. Admit it. I do need you. And the audience needs you because they tuned into the Lyric Boys podcast and that is a plural boys situation. So they need both of us. If you don't know what the Lyric Boys podcast is and you've stumbled confused into listening to this, A, I don't know how you got there, but B, this podcast is a podcast where me and Andrew take one of our favorite bands or musical acts and we pick 10 of their craziest, most absurd, most insane, wildest lyrics and we talk about them. We don't really break them down in a super analytical way. We just like to mine those lyrics for fun and comedic potential. Am I right? Make some noise at home if you agree. Andrew, do you think they made some noise? I heard it. Did you not hear it? Oh, yeah. that, that Wow. Audience at home, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this is a good episode. You're going to like it. You're going to love the way your ears feel when you listen to it. In this episode, we are talking about the band Arcade Fire, and we're diving into 10 of their lyrics. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you see I got my little red everything now jacket and a copy of Funeral behind me. So I'm revved up and ready to do it. Andrew, are you revved up? I'm revved up. I like Arcade Fire, but I would like you to explain a little bit about them. Can you do that for the audience at home who have happened to stumble headfirst into this podcast somehow? Andrew, I'm glad you asked. I wouldn't have explained to you who Arcade Fire was, but since you mentioned the audience at home, I don't want them listening confused. So audience, hear me out. Here's Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire is a band. Wow. Mind blown. I'm surprised. If you were to go to Wikipedia, they would describe Arcade Fire as indie rock, art rock, dance rock, and baroque pop. Wow. We love it. So Arcade Fire is a band of a lot of people. It is a big, large band that's centered around this married couple, Wynn Butler and Regine Chassange, Chassange, I don't know how to pronounce their last name and I apologize, but they met in Montreal in the early 2000s and they fell in love making music, making friendship, I don't know, and they released their first EP, which is just self-titled in, in 2003. Then in 2004, they released Funeral, which was their first album and really propelled them into the mainstream of indie rock at the time it's like super cathartic it is it's a very emotional album it's it's very driving it's very frantic and yeah, the, it's a the great big, great album great album the big song from that is wake up which is just like 
one of the most iconic indie rock songs of all time. Yeah. And then I would say so. Yeah. They followed up Funeral in 2007 with Neon Bible, which was recorded in a church. And that album is a little more somber. It's still very cathartic and very big. And it's got like that sort of post like post 9-11 American anxiety in it. And it's 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 really uh, an anxious record. Then in 2010, they uh, released this really long album over an album over an hour long. Uh, called the suburbs and that album is very good it is about growing up in the suburbs and all that entails and that album won the grammy for album of the year which is a big surprise and that was like a big moment for arcade fire and probably like the pinnacle of their popularity and interest in the band they followed that up in 2013 with the James Murphy produced album. James Murphy from LCD Sound System produced Reflector, which is another super long album. It's a lot more dancey. It's a little bit more electronic. It's also a good slapper. And then in 2017, they put out Everything Now, which I enjoy, but critically and, and commercially it was like, like uh, it's kind of a not nearly as good or well-received as their other albums. Uh, they kind of released it with this sort of tongue in cheek, uh, everything as a product and we're marketing this product and this whole band as a product and a very like a satirical look on like commercialism. And I thought that was funny, but some people were like, Oh, they're taking themselves too seriously. Anyway, that's where they are now. They're supposedly making new music, maybe a new record this year. I don't know. And then fun fact about Arcade Fire, Win Butler was an NBA all-star celebrity game MVP. So there you go. What? He played in those games? He's played in multiple <clears throat> NBA celebrity all-star games. Isn't that insane? That is insane. He does not strike me as a person who would not only be not good at basketball, but any sport for that matter. No offense, Win Butler. I'm not very good at sports either. But like, if you look at him, you're like, yeah, that guy's not good at sports. So I'm amazed <laughs> that, that <laughs> of that fact. He he's a tall guy. I think he's like six four, and when he mm. he wears like that like headband. So he has great. the the basketball technique that you have, which is just be taller than other people and put it in the hoop. Yeah, I think that's how any good NBA player uh, approaches the strategy. So <laughs> be be tall, Andrew. Wh- how did you first listen to Arcade Fire? What was why did you listen to them, and what were your thoughts and stuff? I was tied down in a basement, and the only way I could get out was if I listened to Arcade Fire. Oh, my God. Same. Wow. Crazy how that uh, happened to both of us. Very unique experiences. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When did I listen to them first? Uh, You know, they had... So, Reflector came out in 2013, and that actually was the first time that I heard them. And my first impression of Reflector was, eh, I don't think I really need this in my Mm -hmm. life. You're not um, a huge electronic sound. Yeah, not really an electronic too. sounding guy. Uh, I do like LCD sound system, though, I got to say, um, okay. which I feel like, I, yeah, knowing my taste in music, that might come as a surprise. But uh, the, James, what's his name? James Murphy. Yeah, he's good. Um, but so, yeah, Reflector came out 2013. Wasn't super crazy about it. But then... Um, I don't know. It was just one of those things, I think, where 
after that, like in like 2014 or 15, just people like friends talking and stuff where I was like, maybe I should just go back and listen to their old stuff because people really like this band. So there must be something about them. And uh, I listened to the Suburbs album first and it was it's so good. That album front to back is just amazing. And it's yeah. just like it's it. I thought that I was going to hear more like Reflector. But the more I listened to the three albums that came before it, the more I was like, oh, this is Reflector is the one that's different and not the other way around. Yeah, I, I do think they have a good job of changing up their sound enough in each album that there is some change in, yes. in sound and, and stuff. There definitely is. Yeah, each album of theirs definitely ha- marks like a point in their career sound-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but Reflector definitely felt more, like much more of a pivot than The Suburbs, Neon Bible, oh, yeah. and, and Funeral. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so it, Funeral and The Suburbs were the ones that I know really well. I was listening to Neon Bible earlier and I was like, mm-hmm. fuck, I kind of missed this album. This is This is a really good one too. Yeah, I think at this point, Neon Bible is probably a little overshadowed by being sandwiched between Funeral and the suburbs. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, the sophomore slump. Yeah, I got into Arcade Fire, I want to say around, right before the suburbs, so like around 2009, 2010, because they released, I had like known them a little bit, I think everyone had heard Wake Up at that point, but... They put out the songs, The Suburbs and Month of May. And I remember those were the two singles that I was listening to over and over again from The Suburbs being like, damn, these are really good. I'm enjoying these a lot. Also, Month of May is one of those songs that mentions the year in the song, which I love. So it mentions like 2009, 2010. And I remember being in 2009, 2010 being like, wow, what current music? And now that feels so old. <laughs> and then I saw that. Do you still love that that trope? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it when songs mention years that they're made in. It's so cool to me. I think like there's a car seat headrest song that starts with like, it's 2014 and I, man, I don't remember the lyrics and I don't want to butcher it. There's an every time I die song that, that says, why can't it be the year 2000? I want to live in the year 2000 when I was young enough to truly believe. Damn. Do you feel that that hits you in the feels? Uh, I was young in the year 2000. I was eight. But I get that that sentiment of like yeah. I feel like that year for me was probably like 2007, like freshman year of high school, yeah. where I was just like young enough to truly mm. believe. I don't know in what in nothing really. The car seat headrest lyric is it's 2014 and I have no idea what is going on in my life. And I always think that is a funny lyric because it's now that seems so old. But when those songs first came out, you're just like. Music about now, what a novelty. Um, anyway, so those songs got me into Arcade Fire. And I saw them at Madison Square Garden, and it was a great show. I really enjoyed it, and then they became one of my favorite bands. And they still are one of my favorite bands. They've kind of like fallen back a little bit over the last couple of years. Like The National has been a very consistent band I love in the same period, versus I think Arcade Fire's had like bigger peaks, but also lower valleys in terms of... Mm how often I'm listening to them, but in in listening to them again, preparing for this podcast, I was just like, wow, they're so good. They are so fucking good. They write so many amazing, just anthemic cathartic songs that it's shocking. Like top to bottom, like the most, if you're looking, (laughs) if you have $20 and someone's like, all right, give me the most bang for bucks. I need the most anthems per dollar. And you're like, sir, 
I don't quite understand what these twenty dollars and how they will buy me anthems. On. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, I don't know iTunes. And you're like, okay, whatever. In this confusing example, Arcade Fire would be one of those bands. <laughs> you get the most anthems per dollar. I appreciate you trying to come up with a weird, like, metaphor example on the spot. And I, I feel like everybody kind of understands what you're saying. Yes. I would say to... I would say the Suburbs album, front to back, is just, like, an- very anthemic. Like, song after song is mm-hmm. just, like, anthem after anthem. Now, are you ready to get into the lyrics? Sure am, Skipper. Skipper, right before that, I do we do that. I, I do want to give a quick lyric boys shout out. So, my brother is a really good guitarist, and for a while he was playing guitar in this band called Nkula, spelled N K U L A, and they are this similar to Arcade Fire, very large band, a lot of members. They're a DC-based reggae band, and they're very good. They've played, like, tons of venues that are big, and my brother's always like, I can't believe we're playing this massive venue of, like, thousands of people. And anyway, they released their first EP. It's called Zion Rock, and it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It's everywhere. My brother plays, I'd say, rhythm guitar in the album. And, yeah, they're good people. They are cool people they're trying to make music in the midst of the pandemic which is very hard so check them out that is nkula n-k-u-l-a and while you're on spotify liking things subscribe to the lyric boys subscribe to this podcast because you're never going to miss an episode if you do and baby i know you lie awake in bed at night thinking oh my god i I can't miss a lyric boys episode so if you subscribe you'll, you'll avoid that stress and you'll go straight to sleep Boom. <laughs> yes. Uh, I feel like we should actually reach out to some mattress companies and be like, listen, we're going to help you sell mattresses. Okay. You you sell mattresses by saying, uh, do you want a really good night's sleep, which you've been lacking lately, right? Well, there's two things you need. A really good mattress and the Lyric Boys. Hell yeah. We'll tuck you in. So Raymore and Flanagan, ears. reach out to us. We got you covered. Hell yeah. All right. So All right. do you want to hit me with, with your first lyric? We're doing our 10 t- Arcade Fire lyrics. And my first lyric is from the song, The Suburbs, from the album, The Suburbs. And the lyric is... The Suburbs. The Suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> so can you understand that I want a daughter while I'm still young? I want to hold her hand and show her some beauty before the damage is done. But if it's too much to ask, if it's too much to ask, then send me a son. Mm. This is, I think, one of probably the most memorable Arcade Fire lyrics in general. <laughs> the song slaps. The song is great. And the delivery of this is very like emotional. But I do love that he's basically like when Butler is pleading with God or whatever, and he's like, oh, my God, please, I would just love a daughter. A daughter would mean the world to me. A daughter would be so meaningful. But, like, all right, like, don't overexert yourself, God. Like, if it's too much work, like, a son will do, I guess. But, like, deep down, I'll still always want a daughter, you know? God comes back and is like, uh, <laughs> oh, bad news. You are completely barren. You got nothing 
to give. Uh, and I'm sorry, you're you're not gonna have a kid. What do you think? What, what would Win Butler's re- reaction be? Because in his oh, mind, yes, yeah, in his mind, right. having a son is the like the the worst of the two options. He didn't even consider option three, which is just like I can't have kids. Mm. That would change it. He would not be happy, I don't think, considering uh, he really wants a kid, <laughs> child. He would. Be I, so one thing that is funny about this lyric is. When Butler eventually had a, a a kid and had a had a son, do you think when his son gets older and he like looks at these lyrics, he's like, "Papa, papa, papa, dad, why <laughs> were you begging so much for a daughter, and, and and are you disappointed in me?" And when simply like, "Yes, I clearly objectively wanted a daughter." You were the. At- <laughs> To be honest, I didn't even mention the third option of being barren because it was actually preferable to having you. So, sorry, son. You fucked up my life by being a male. It is, yeah. It's kind of like he learns he's going to be a a dad and he's overjoyed. He's crying. He's like, it's a daughter, right? And it's like, "Mm -mm, it's a son. And he's just like, well... Just put it with the other sons I've got. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> He's got a room of like 38 sons. He's like, I've tried so hard to have a daughter. Every time I'm I'm copulating with a woman, I'm thinking daughter, 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 daughter. And it never happens. There's just a room in his house that's covered in mud that like when you open it, it's just boys roughhousing. And, there, and when he opens the door, there's like eight of them going, Papa. And then he's like another one and just throws it in and his wife is like please i can't give birth again and he's why like, don't we just adopt I, yeah he's like yeah she's like you can have a daughter there are so many little girls who would want a father like you and he's like no it must be of my own seed this is when we say the lyric boys sponsored by adoption <laughs> buy a child it's easier <laughs> I do. I love to imagine a room of hundreds of little boys that he's given birth to, and he's like, every once in a while, there's like a a doggy door where he slides a plate of food underneath yeah. it, and there's like it's like four slices of cheese, and they all rush at it, and they're all, they're all like have ratty clothes on, and they're like, my cheese, papa, my cheese is here. And also, he wants a daughter while he's so young. How do you think he's gonna deal if he has a daughter while he's old? Another mm. thing he didn't consider. Mm-mm. Right. He's had like hundreds of boys. Now he's like 58. And finally he has the daughter. And he's like, wow, I don't even know why I tried. I don't even want this anymore. <laughs> exactly. All right, Andrew. A slapper of a song, though. I love it. This is oh, yeah. Definitely. such a slapper. One of my favorite songs. Andrew, give me your first Arcade Fire lyric. My first Arcade Fire lyric comes from yours came from track one of the suburbs. Mine comes from Ooh. track two. The song that ready- seamless transition. Seamless. Like, yeah. <laughs> the song ready to start. Uh, and the lyric is businessmen drink my blood like the kids in art school said they would. And I feel like this is a hilarious interpretation of business school from an art student perspective. Like yes. it sounds like it sounds like an art school rumor where it's like a bunch of like kids in art school with like long black hair into their eyes and they're all like very gothed out and they're just like over there is the business school where the businessmen drink blood don't go over there they'll kill you 
and then one of their friends transfers to the business school and they're like oh my god oh my god he has turned what are we gonna do two things one is you know, as 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 we mentioned to our loyal podcast audience we met at boston university in their film school department and i do think there are people that kind of believe this they're like if you went to business school you are a literal vampire yeah and yeah oh yeah for sure i mean look you meet some business school kids let's just be real not all of them but you do meet just like you mean some art school kids where you're like okay this 100% lives up to the stereotype. Like, you are businessmen that metaphorically drink blood, and maybe you do in real life. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you still scared of business school people? I'm terrified. I'm yeah. terrified. Don't, do not mention your Roth IRA in front of me. Do not mention your stock options in front of me. I will shit my pants. I also think it's funny that. He's he's saying businessmen drink my blood like the kids in art school said they would, as if they've already been drinking his blood. And he's like looking back with some sort of like, ah, I should have listened to those kids. They were like those businessmen. They are straight up cannibals. And I'm like, dog, chill. And turns out businessmen, boy, they are straight up army hammers. Am I right? (laughs) Wow. Shout out to Miss the cannibal himself. I am a hundred percent of a, I am a hundred percent a cannibal. I want to eat you. That, he said it. He said it, and he also said, "I learned how to do this in business school, where businessmen drink blood." Love it, audience at home. If uh, I'm very self conscious at this point in the podcast because I'm drinking uh, a margarita, heard of it. And there's a lot of ice in my cup. And every time I take a sip, I'm worried that you're just getting a ton of ice in your ear. And you're like, oh, my God, where are these boys recording from the North Pole? No, it's just my drink. OK, <laughs> wait, wait, is your is your vision of the North Pole ice is in the air and it's just flying around the air, clanking together like ice in a glass. And if you go to the North Pole, you will just hear like the clanking of ice everywhere. Yes, naturally. OK. Yes. I've seen enough movies. I've read enough books. I've done research. <laughs> All right. So my second Arcade Fire lyric comes from the album. Dun, 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 reflector. <clears throat> Sorry. The lyric is from the song Normal Person. And okay. this is one of like my, I think, most quoted Arcade Fire lyrics. I just think it's so funny. So the song starts with like some just kind of banter as if they're performing live on a stage and when butler is just like talking about the monitor levels and he's apologizing for talking about the monitor levels all this stuff and then he takes a really deep sigh and he just goes oh man and then he says the lyric do you like rock and roll music because i don't know if i do and, I, and he proceeds to play. This is a very like rock and roll kind of song too. Yeah, he proceeds to play the song, and it's the most like the dis. It just when you hear it, it is the sound of someone who is so over performing and is so over the songs that he's performing, and he just wants to get it done. And he's just like beaten down by the industry and by recording and by playing live. And the vibe is so fun to me. Cause he kind of like sings it too. It's just, it's just such a fun start to a song. <laughs> My mind yeah. be like, I don't even know if I like music anymore. By the way, here's our hit song. 
<laughs> By the way, you guys must like it. I mean, we're playing it for you right now. You fucking sheeps. I I mean, I have no experience of what it's like to be in a successful band that has a gigantic hit song. But it has got to be weird to have those hits that you have to play. And it's like, if you don't do them, like Arcade Fire is going to perform Wake Up every single show. Paul McCartney is going to perform Hey Jude every single show. Like every band has like one or two of those songs. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it, what that just feels like when you're on, you're playing your like a thousandth, five hundredth show and you're performing Wake Up for the thousandth, five hundredth time. Like what must that be like? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as somebody who does write music and and I like would love for people to hear it. I, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be that jaded. So like in my mind, I right now, right? Every grass is always greener, right? You're always going to be happier mm-hmm. somewhere else. Um, but in my mind, like that's kind of the dream for me. I would fucking love that if I had if I had like a wake up song or like a hey jude yeah. where just thousand i mean a fucking football stadium is singing along with yeah shit that i wrote that sounds that sounds cool i i, I would want that i do get the the vibe i get from the beginning of the song though isn't like this is arcade fire talking about arcade fire it to me the vibe like gives off like bar band vibe like they've yeah, been on the yeah, road, yeah. they've been on a van. It's been fucking awful. Their car broke down. They had to siphon gas from another car. Like that sounds fucking stuff. terrible. And um, then he's yeah. in a bar of like eight retirees about to play a song, and that's the vibe I get here. Which is just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, oof. that sounds like a rough vibe. And like, I have not toured. But I have done like weekender stuff with a band, and uh, it that that necessarily was not for just like mm-hmm. the idea of like wow we're gonna drive like four hours and maybe play to like three people. That sucks. That's a terrible feeling. But like to have like a huge song that you have to play every single night, even if you're sick of it, like. I don't know. I I feel like I'd find a way to like rejuvenate life into that song. Yeah. Every night. Especially if I'm getting paid. Hell yeah. So, last thing about this is just that the way he says it, I think, is so much, uh, brings so much of the fun too. He basically goes, Do you like rock and roll music? Because I don't know if I do. And he's just like singing it at the mic. <laughs> like, imagine, I could totally see that vibe of like seeing a jaded musician live who does not give a shit. And there are definitely those bands that are notorious for that. Yeah. Like, okay. Famous curmudgeon, like a like a Van Morrison type, who's objectively seems like a crazy asshole, right? Who <laughs> is like time and time again, people are like Van Morrison is horrible to deal with. I can do you easily have, see Van like, Morrison. Do you have an example of that? Because I don't really well, he, know this about him. He's just known for being not a great person. And then during the lockdown, he released like three anti-lockdown songs and was like, I can't be locked down anymore. I want to play shows. God damn it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And anyway, but Van Morrison, I I love Van Morrison despite all of this. Right. So, but he's someone I could easily see up at the mic being like, do you guys even like smooth Van Morrison vocals? By the way, here's Moondance. Dance. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like the yeah. contempt for your audience at that level where you're just like, you fucking bitches. You want to hear this one song one more time? All right, I'll give it to you. I'd rather play that like other he's random like, song. He's like, this song sucks and you have no taste for liking it. Anyway, here it is. Exactly. All right. Poppy. Poppy Steegs, as we call you in the podcast. What is your second Arcade Fire lyric? All of uh, every single friend I've had has called me Poppy Steegs. My second Arcade Fire lyric is the song Creature Comfort off of Everything Now. Uh, The lyric is assisted suicide. She dreams about dying all the time. She told me she came so close, filled up the bathtub and put on our first record. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if somebody actually did tell him this in real life, like, hey, I came so close to dying because I, I like almost killed myself listening to your first record. I mean, I don't even know how one would react to that. Would he? I, it feels like he almost took that like pridefully in that moment he was like hell yeah we get sad baby do it up bring that toaster in the tub i want you to throw on fucking neighborhood one and be like slip my wrists well so that's yeah so this song is like a very much of a downer song about like people with suicidal tendencies and also people who are like ashamed of the way they look and whatever all the stuff and the idea that he's just like, ah, oh, man, this person put on our first record and almost did it, like, kill themselves, is, it's it's also a weird self-referential thing. Like, it's the first, it's the only time I know in their career where they've, like, mentioned themselves as a band. And yeah. to be like, yeah, we probably have soundtracked suicides <laughs> before. <laughs> it's a reflection on, like, how, well, I guess Dark and Depressing, their first album is, although I always found it very like a jam <laughs> like their first album yeah i don't think their like... first album would make me want to kill myself but like what i find funny here is that it sounds like they're he, like he's kind of proud of it like he's kind of like yeah like we got an album that makes you want to kill yourself like what do you got you got an album that makes you want to dance <laughs> dancing is fucking lame suicide is the new dance yeah um well i, I think like yeah the album is a slapper but it's also like about so much death and stuff so it makes sense that some people would like be down by it but i also another way you can interpret this is maybe the album stopped this person from doing it and that's the point maybe Mm. which i just thought of like now in this moment (laughs) yeah i'm like because i've always thought it was like you put on this album too and you're like there was it could uh, be like she came so close and then funeral stop like was like a way she got out of it which then that would be something a fan might say a band to a band and they might be proud of it right i i kind of feel like it's not that i'm just saying no to you right now where we okay. are improving and i am saying no you tried to yes end me and i just said no no there was that uh i'm saying no i know that that conversation to nowhere <laughs> The album Paranoid by Black Sabbath, okay. when that came out, there were all these rumors that like if you played the album backwards, it would tell you to kill yourself. Mm. And um, Black Sabbath like had to say, like, no, that's obviously not true. But I feel like Arcade Fire in this moment, because Wynn Butler is so proud that somebody killed him, almost killed himself to this, would be like, 
you don't even have to play the album backward. Play it forward. It'll make you want to kill yourself. <laughs> the song is just kill yourself. Yeah, and all the like, cr- like the Christians who are like, don't listen to Black Sabbath. It it, it sparks suicide. Arcade Fire would be like, that's child's play, man. So there is that thing that's like people. If you were like a singer or or in a band that has a big following, you definitely have people say like, oh, your record means so much to me in this dark time of my life and all that stuff, right? Which is a, a hard thing to balance, I'd imagine. You know, it's a hard thing for people to go up to you and be like that. The The worst example of this, and I think about this a lot, is the Antlers. Their first album is called Hospice. And it is a breakup album, but the metaphor is about a patient slowly dying of like cancer in a hospice <laughs> and, and and the lead singer is like taking care of this person and Fuck but Jesus. but it is a breakup album but the lead singer apparently would feel very awkward as you might imagine when people would be like okay like tell him really personal like cancer stories essentially and he'd be like oh my god that's awful i'm glad the album like helped you through but it was like a it was a breakup album First and foremost, wrapped in this metaphor. What did he tell metaphor. them that? He'd be like, "Listen, um, I'm glad that this album helped you when you were almost dying of cancer and you had to go through all that treatment, but uh, you missed the point of it. Gotta say, here's the album, zoop, right over your dumb head. They are a band that also like he's <laughs> he's made like a breakup album, this cancer metaphor. And he has a breakup song that's called "Putting the Dog to Sleep," so he like clearly likes the heaviest metaphors possible. Anyway, back to Arcade Fire. They might be proud of this because they also in the same album have the song "Good Goddamn," and they have a lyric, and this is not going to count as mine. It's just backing your point up. The lyric is, "You want to get messed up when the times get rough. Put your favorite record on, baby, and fill the bathtub up." Oh. So he kind of brings this back of funeral listening thing again. See, he's proud of it. He's proud that that his music makes people want to kill themselves. Also, the idea of like bringing a vinyl record into a bathroom is funny to me. Whatever it'll do. I mean, it's electronic. You don't have to bring a toaster in there. Ooh. All right. Do you want? Do you want to hear? Give me my, your third uh, lyric. All right, audience at home. This is my third Arcade Fire lyric. Wow, we love that fast talk. So it's from the song Sprawl 2, and this is a song, a gigantic, a banger of a, of a song, a really peppy, fun, dancey number sang, uh, sung, sang, sung by Regine. And the lyric is, they heard me singing and they told me to stop, quit these pretentious things and just punch the clock. And of course, in her mind, this is like, I just want to be like my creative self, but everyone's trying to make me conform to the society that is like just work and like that your values and work and like don't whatever. But I do like the idea that this is someone at like a construction site who was just <laughs> fucking singing in the morning, who's just like ba 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 da 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 ba 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 because that's what singing sounds like. I know I know my stuff, and it's great. Everyone's like Regine, fucking punch that clock. All right, you are forty minutes late. You've just been singing there the whole time. You. No one asked for this, okay? Even if you had a good voice, like the best voice in the world, or the worst voice, it doesn't matter because we need to build this building. And if you don't build it, newsflash this building is a hospital and people won't get saved. 
So Regine, friggin' start. <laughs> yeah, I I also imagine that. I that was the first thing I thought of when I heard read this lyric too. Mm-hmm. Um and that also then makes me think of like those overly peppy people in the workplace mm-hmm. who are just happy to be there and they're like singing and they're just whistling and they're walking down the hallways and I experienced that a lot at working at where I previously worked. I, I, I guess, I, I mean, it doesn't matter if I say it or not, but working there, like in the hallways, specifically, I had one boss who would, uh, she would say hi to me in the hallway as if she hadn't seen me for years, as if she thought I was dead, that I was like a Chilean miner trapped and i was never gonna be seen again she would say hi to me like hello how are you and i'd be like i just fucking saw you i'm going to get coffee i can't do this i can't like there were times really where i was like i can't fucking pretend that i'm like as happy nearly i don't think i'll ever be that happy in my life as happy as you are right now you are so happy to see me great that's great i'm glad you're happy to see me i don't give a fuck about seeing you it's like you walk to the bathroom she's like hello andrew where are you going and you're like um to the bathroom and then 15 minutes later you walk out of the bathroom she's like andrew how was your time she's standing there waiting for me and i'm like oh my god oh my god it was just every day and i like the first couple times it happened i was very taken aback i was like did she not realize that I was here like yesterday? Like I was conf- genuinely confused. And then I was like, oh, she's just happy. We that's also what, know that's what happiness is. <laughs> I also know that you're someone who expects cynicism and, and like people to be like rough to you. Cause I remember you came <laughs> to upstate New York <laughs> and mm-hmm. you were like, wow, the people at the Dunkin' Donuts uh, in upstate New York were so nice to me. They were like, have a good day. And you were just shook. Everybody on Long Island is fucking mean. They're just bad. They're, dude, they're just bad people. They're just mean. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. But like, I fucking call up the doctor's office and they're like, yeah, what do you want? I'm like, uh I'm sorry. I just want to make an appointment. <laughs> One time I called the doctor's office at three o'clock. She picks up. She goes, yeah, yeah. H- how are you? And I was like, hi, I'd like to make an appointment. And she's like, who told you to call this late? And I was like, what do you mean? Who told me to call this late? Nobody told me to call. It's three o'clock like in the afternoon. Going around town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long you go into doctor. like a Dunkin Donuts on Long Island. And they're like, yeah, what? What? God, you, you, you want a fucking donut? You go to a Dunkin' Donuts upstate, and they're like, sir, please, let me put down my jacket so you can walk in so your shoes don't get muddy. Mm. Now, I also like that Regine, and whatever her job is, is constantly singing, is constantly, like, dancing, because she also saw has, like, those, those streamers, those, like, things in her hand that, that she moves around, like, in the song. So that I imagine her just doing that. Like, she could be working at Dunkin' Donuts, and they're like, okay, listen, this man's been waiting 20 minutes for a friggin' iced coffee. You've been standing there <laughs> yeah. just singing. And, like, okay, I guess, like, they're calling her pretentious, and that's mean, and she probably feels bad about that. But also, she's been, like, singing for a whole half hour at Dunkin'. <laughs> 
Yeah. I t- <laughs> we are, we threw those streamers out. Where did you get new ones from? And she's like, don't tell me to plunge the clock. I'm creative. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. You could be creative. Then why did you take this job? <laughs> uh, yeah. She's like, I needed money. Okay, well then work it. You get off in an hour. Just shut up for an hour. It is like I could see that being made into like a really shitty movie in a great way. It's like Regine just wants to sing and then the cut to her and she's twirling with streamers and she's like, la, 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 la. And they're like, but they just want her to put the cement down. And they're like, Regine, stop with the singing. Put the cement down. And she's like, I can't put down the cement. I need to they're raise my own voice. <laughs> I'm picturing, I'm genuinely picturing like mid 90s Drew Barrymore in this world. Okay. And she's like happy and singing and and she for some reason is working on a construction site in Staten Island and she has like a hard hat on and they're like, hey Regine, what are you doing with the singing? We're trying to fucking build a hospital over here. She's like, my voice is my hospital. So I pulled a couple YouTube comments from this song. Okay. The first one is... So the song is also about like the suburban sprawl and dead shopping malls rise like mountains beyond mountains, right? Mm-hmm. So this comment I thought it was funny is this song is the reason why I became a city planner. <laughs> wow, wow that that's a mass that's like as massive that's like imagine like writing a song that inspires a whole career that's as massive as somebody being like I almost killed myself to your first album like like your album changed my life so much. But in a more positive way, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's also like someone listening to the song, instead of like getting down with the music, it'd be like a dead shopping mall, another dead shopping mall, rising like mountains. We can't have that in a functioning city. There should be parkland and also, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, active shopping malls. Am I right? Um, <laughs> Let's move the parking lot underground. So another lyric I pulled, or. Uh, YouTube comment I pulled was and people say there's no more good music and I pulled that simply because thank you YouTube commenter we have pulled so many comments that are like they don't make good music anymore and I can't find anything and so I was glad that someone was just like this is what I'm saying dude this is what I was saying uh, Blink-182 we talked about this too yes where the comment was, there's no good music anymore, we should go back to that. And what I was saying then was, like, Arcade Fire <clears throat> isn't necessarily played on, like, a top 40 radio station. But if you dig just a little bit beneath the surface, like, literally just a drop beneath the surface, you'll find so much fucking good music. And Arcade Fire is one of those bands. And that's why it really bothers me when people are like, man, there's no, I was born in the wrong generation. There's no good music. I wish I could go back to the 60s and watch all those people play live. Yeah, that would be cool to go back and watch Jimi Hendrix play live or the Beatles. That would be fucking amazing. But like, yeah. there are, seriously, there are so much, there's so much good music out today. Just, just find it. You can find it. It's easy. Listen to the Lyric Boys podcast. <laughs> You'll learn more good music. Um, so two more comments. One YouTube comment is, forgive me, wing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> forgive me, win. But I definitely have a crush on Regine. I like that someone was like, Win Butler, I am seeking your forgiveness, but I have a crush on your wife. And then, like, if he does something about that, 
if he's like comments back, he's like, you're not forgiven. I do not give you permission to. Yeah. He shows up at the guy's house and the guy's like, holy shit, Win Butler. And he just punches him in the face and leaves. <laughs> he's a printout <laughs> of the YouTube. He's like, is this you? <laughs> yeah. Are you user 8476920 blunts hit hit the blunt? And he's like, yeah. yeah. And he just punches him and leaves. And this last comment was just a lot. If you don't, it was just after six years of loving the album as a whole, I never realized how much I love this song individually until it came on a random while I was making breakfast. It just overtook me, completely possessed me for five minutes, dancing, singing, and crying, realizing how far I've come from my small town, yet how deeply I've had to explore traumatic memories of that time as an adult. Which is just like classic, like, welcome to Arcade Fire. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. I like, I like the vibe. I like the vibe too. All right, give me your uh, third Arcade Fire lyric. My third Arcade Fire lyric comes from the song Neighborhood One, off the album Funeral. The lyric is, and if the snow buries my neighborhood, and if my parents are crying, then I'll dig a tunnel from my window to yours. Yeah, a tunnel from my window to yours. You climb out the chimney and meet me in the middle. So this conjures up some images of like little Win Butler hanging out, in, maybe in the same elementary school as Baby Genius Lord, and they're talking about a possible snow day. Right? There's okay. like, oh, it's gonna snow tomorrow, and he's and they're like, oh, we're gonna have off. We can go like to this like sledding hill, or we can go skiing or something. And he's <laughs> like, okay, fan fiction, very. Cool. <laughs> he's like, okay, great. <laughs> So, if my parents are crying, I'll dig a tunnel from my window to yours. We'll meet in the middle. And all the other kids in elementary school are like, what's going on with you? What's going on like, with why your, parents? Are your parents crying? Yeah. What? He's like, oh, you know, like when it snows and your parents cry. Like, you know how that is, right, guys? And then also and at like, dinner, your parents cry. But also in the morning, your parents are crying, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> you know when you go to bed and your parents are crying and then you wake up and they're <laughs> And there's still it is like those little things you reveal about your home situation that you don't realize. You're like, oh yeah, last night was the night my dad completely breaks down and has an existential crisis. So we ordered Domino's. Oh man, I love Wednesday (laughs) Domino nights. And everyone else is like, um, when there's something there. One of my favorite things about this this lyric. So neighborhood number one is a slapper, but. Aside from it being a slapper, it is a song that to me conjures, of course, up this like beautiful wintry day. It is like first snowfall of the year. I put on funeral generally. I like to start a good snowfall with neighborhood number one. Mm. But it is a song that starts with the the word and, which I think is interesting. It is an it opens the whole way. album like that. Oh, yeah, the whole career of Arcade Fire started up with an and. That is. To so me, what you're said, saying is that in your head there's something before this that was yes. admitted, right? Okay, yes. that's what I want to know because it starts with and, and it's a drawn out and, right? If the snow buries my neighborhood, what yeah. was before that? Was it like um, <laughs> my parents well, are clearly crying wasn't again. good enough? <laughs> He's yeah. like, my parents are crying again, and if the snow buries my neighborhood, and if my parents are also crying. His parents are crying a lot. <laughs> the other thing I like about this is, yeah, a tunnel. Because the way that's said in this song, the way it's delivered is very much like, yeah, I said a tunnel. What are you going to do about that? You heard. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a much more aggressive than the rest like of the lyrics. Like, then I'll dig a tunnel. Or, sorry, my window to yours. Yeah, a tunnel. You fucking gonna mess with that tunnel? You don't think you know, I, me, little baby Wynn Butler, can dig a good tunnel? Well, I can. <laughs> I got good digging tunnel hands. And one day, I'm gonna be an NBA celebrity game all-star MVP. Baby genius lord is like, just don't dig it to my house, okay? I've seen also, this before. Maybe you know he should talk to he should talk to the city planner because you can't really I don't understand how you can dig a tunnel from a window to a window. Mm. Mm-hmm. Windows maybe are the song is written by a, like a six year old. There's no conception of everything. Or they live in the basement. But still <laughs> yes. still. Yeah, no, this song is definitely written by like little Wim Butler. I like this this definitely makes me think of like elementary school kids talking about like, yeah, we'll sneak out and we'll hang out. It's like the shit elementary school kids lie about. Like I remember in like third grade, someone being like, I, I went to ski at Lake Placid. And I was like, oh man, how was that? And he's like, I skied off the ski jump. And I was like, no way. He's like, yeah, I just skied off the ski jump. They allowed me to. And I was like, wow, motherfucker did not ski off the ski jump. He would be dead. Or at least he would not have a spine anymore. Could you imagine the news? That would be like a child <laughs> skied off the massive Olympic-style ski jump. <laughs> yeah, dude, I couldn't even fucking get on the ski lift at your little Bel Air mountain. It would knock me down to the ground. I couldn't. It smashed me, and, and I had to be picked up by a security guard. That is my last memory of a pre-COVID world, is you getting yep. smashed by a ski lift, and it's one I will cherish. <laughs> Yeah, March 2020. All right, hit uh, me with your... You have uh, lyric number four? Four. My fourth lyric is from We Don't Deserve Love off of the album Everything Now. And the lyric is, You don't want to talk. You don't want to touch. You don't even want to watch TV. So <laughs> this song is like... It's a jam. It's a slapper. All these songs are slappers. We've established that. But I love that like... That's the biggest escalation. I there's a couple of funny things. Maybe it's about like the, <laughs> it's like a relationship kind of like petering out, probably right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't want to talk. Okay, we understand that, right? Like they're in that level. You don't want to touch. Okay, we understand that funny phrasing. Wait, but he's talking but, about a se- like we're having like sexual dysfunction in our relationship, right? Or like any sort of like hold hands, you don't want to hold my intimacy really issues. You don't Uh want to hold hands anymore when you go to Dunkin' Donuts, and it's too much for me. But then I just want to watch TV. (laughs) It's like, come on! I understand not talking. I understand not wanting to touch me. But you don't want to watch TV. There's so many good options. We got all (laughs) the streaming. Why did I get HBO Max? Why did I get Hulu? Why did I get Peacock? Why did I get Fubu TV? If you don't even want to watch this stuff. We're in the golden age of television right now, and you're telling me there's nothing? There's nothing? 1999, The Sopranos launched us into a modern golden age, and you're telling... Fine, fine. We never have to have sex again. But this Roku that I bought for $39.99 from Target, it brings all of the options to us, and you're telling me there's nothing there for you? <laughs> it is like also like, yeah, their relationship's that bad that at this point. It's so broken that they don't even want to watch TV. 
TV is the best. TV is the best thing. We all love TV, TV the awesome. most. TV is the best thing in the world. We love it. We love it so much. This podcast Tis. brought to you by TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Great song. Great slapper. This is the song that taught me the expression, I can't see the forest for the trees. Is that the expression? I don't even know. I don't know. I also don't know. But the song taught it to me. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Shout, that was quick. That was, you know what? That was succinct. We got in, we got out. Bada bing, bada boom. We got out, and we're talking about it some more to extend it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me your fourth arcade fire lyric, Andrew Stieglitz. My fourth arcade fire lyric is from my first, my third one was from Neighborhood One, and my fourth one is from Neighborhood Three, again off the album Funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lyric is I woke up with the power out. Not really something to shout about. Ice has covered up my parents' hands. And then he says, I went out into the night. I went out to find some light. Kids are swinging from the power lines. Nobody's home, so nobody minds. Now, I'm reading this now after having read Neighborhood One. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if um, the intention here was uh, like a continuing story, but it definitely sounds like that now. Like, it literally sounds like Neighborhood One is like, oh, we're going to have a snow day. It's it's elementary school, and there's going to be no school tomorrow. And then it turns out that snow day is like a snow apocalypse. And he wakes up. <laughs> there's no power. Snow is just... Every, ice has covered up his parents' hands. His parents are dead from the amount of snow that has that is in the atmosphere. And he goes outside and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And kids are literally swinging from the power lines. Nobody's home, as he says, so nobody minds. It's total anarchy. This is a snow day gone wrong. It It is a tricky sounding neighborhood. It is just this like, neighborhood that's just been dumped on. And it is, yeah, I never even thought of it like... For some reason, so there's four neighborhood songs. In case you don't know, mm-hmm. audience, neighborhood number one, neighborhood number two, neighborhood number three, and neighborhood number four. And yeah, it paints this picture of this extreme winter chaos where the children reign supreme. <laughs> it's like Lord and of the Flies, but for winter. Yeah, and they're swinging on power lines, which is dangerous, but could be very fun, I guess. Right? Nobody minds because the parents aren't home. Yeah, and so when the parents aren't so home. We, the kids come out to play. Capiche? This sounds like a like a horror movie where it like starts out like that lulls you into a false sense of security. It's like, hey, snow day. I'll dig a tunnel, my house to yours, and then smash cut. Parents dead. Kids swinging on power lines. He walk. He walks outside. He's like, nobody's around. What the fuck is going on? I'm in an, a snowy apocalypse. It's a dangerous neighborhood. Do you remember the movie Snow Day? Yes, I saw it in theaters, and I have the orange tape, the orange Nickelodeon tape. I saw it in theaters, too. Hell yeah. Um, Snow Day. Showing our age. We were eight years old in 2000. Yep. But for some reason, I'm just, I don't remember anything, anything at all about Snow Day. But to me, this is the movie Snow Day. So. <laughs> this is definitely, Snow Day was a kid's movie. This sounds like a Wes Craven-style horror movie. Hmm. Maybe. Well, we got to tweet at Win Butler and be like, yeah, were you inspired by Snow Day when you wrote Funeral? <laughs> yes. He was also in the theater. Much <laughs> he was older. sitting there crying amongst yeah. all these children being like, Snow Day, it's beautiful. <laughs> what a picture. I just have to write a song about this beautiful Snow Day movie. So that happens this, with like this other is a like, film. 
So the National wrote the song, um, I think you can wait or whatever, after Matt Bringer watched the movie Win Win and he was like, oh, I'm moved to write a song. And then Sufjan Stevens wrote two songs about Tanya Harding after watching I, Tanya. And he was like, I hope they use this for the outro. So that <laughs> happens. But the idea that Funeral <laughs> was created because of the movie Snow Day the came funeral out four is- years later. And it, yeah, yeah, well, it took four years for him to process his emotions from watching Snow Day, and the whole album is a concept album of about the characters in Snow Day. I remember nothing from that movie, by the way. So Regine, not only is Regine singing, but she's just like processing the movie Snow Day in the corner. You're like Regine, stop processing the movie Snow Day and just punch the <laughs> clock. They just see like when she's not singing, she's just staring into the abyss. And they're like, "We know, we know what you're thinking about. We know you're thinking about Snow Day. It's okay. The kids got home safe." And she's like, "No, it was beautiful. I've never seen a film with such emotion." In it. So my fifth and final Arcade Fire lyric of this podcast episode is from the song "Rebellion Lies" in parentheses. From the lyric is, sleeping is giving in, no matter what the time is. Sleeping is giving in, so lift those heavy eyelids. Now, that is a bad mindset. (laughs) To be like, sleeping is weak, no matter what time it is, you're sleeping. It makes me think of like like those people that are like, you got to hustle, hashtag hustle every single day Mm -hmm. of your life. Oh my God. You got to grind, wake up and grind go to sleep and grind don't even sleep you're gonna like you know like the beginning of college where people are like there's so many different sleep cycles you can do not only can you get eight hours of sleep but you can have a 20 minute nap every two hours and you're Mm -hmm. like who the fuck would do that (laughs) (laughs) but it is like that could also just be like this person's depression talking to him being like oh come on man you gotta go to sleep yeah. Why do that when you can scroll on your phone, Poppy? I know you, and I know you like this phone. I know you're not going to need this sleep, and I know you're going to want to scroll, baby. So just scroll. It sounds like he was raised by like a drill sergeant army dad, but yes. his, his he wasn't actually in an army. He's just like one of those guys who thinks he's tough. Mm-hmm. And every time like his kid falls asleep, he's like, bitch, wake up the fuck are you doing sleeping we are stronger than our neighbors who are asleep right now <laughs> you think you deserve to sleep after what you've done today <laughs> you, you know those car commercials that, that are like a child falls asleep in the back seat and it's like the parents are so proud and they're like oh my god this mazda is a fucking godsend my child is asleep <laughs> But the alternative version of that, which is which the dad like stops the car, so the child like jolts awake, and the dad is like, "Bitch, <laughs> yeah. I saw you sleeping. You gotta stay awake on this road trip. What kind of company like, are you, God?" He has like a, a thing that you spray dogs with when they misbehave, and he just sprays his kid every time his eyelids like close. He's like, "Don't even blink," because blinking technically is one millionth of a decimal of sleep it also seems like some sort of crazy cult to me it's like sleeping is given in because listen 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 i know you might think this is crazy but i've been up for 
12 days straight. And I've got clarity, baby. I've got clarity beyond clarity, okay? The first couple of days were woozy, but I didn't give in. I didn't give in. And now listen, listen, listen. I'm talking to God. He said, what yeah. up, Jesus? I said, not much, just chilling. <laughs> Try to stack these millions. And, oh man, <laughs> everything is crazy. So, yes, yeah, love it, does, it. it. It does remind me of like a guy who's like, I have seen God. I have talked to God. And you're like, mm, maybe you should just get like a few hours of sleep because I think you are hallucinating and your brain is fucked right now <laughs> you're just like shut up kermit the frog your rules mean nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. um have you ha, okay there's definitely like a period of my life where i'm like i just did not like going to sleep i was just like yes yes and I, I think that's i'm still there yeah i, like I feel like i've only recently got it oh only like in during the pandemic have i been like you know what i like sleep and i'm gonna take it but there's definitely a period where i'm just like rebelling by waking up by staying up a little bit too late or just being like i don't have to sleep or like there's that sadness that's like well i guess the day is done and i can't keep having fun yeah well yeah i mean for me i'm just like not i've never really been good at going to sleep like Mm -hmm. i feel like there are people for the most part yeah specifically my girlfriend can I mean, she can literally just boop, like turn it off. Like if she wants to like hit a switch in her head and go to sleep at any point in the day, she can do that. I have, I, ca- I fucking can't. I'm so, oh, yeah. I'm terrible at going, even if it's like, even if I've had like a long day or I'm like, I'm actually exhausted. Like I cannot turn off at night. It is very hard okay. for me to just flip that switch. Even with, and they say like, oh, limit the screens, do this, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Fucking, it, it's hard, man. It is hard. Andrew Stieglitz, the audience at home is waiting. What is your fifth and final Arcade Fire lyric? My fifth lyric is from the song In the Back Seat, also from Funeral. Wow, all of mine. Oh, no, only three of mine came from Funeral. Um, the lyric is, I like the peace in the back seat. I don't have to drive. I don't have to speak. I can watch the countryside and I can fall asleep. My family trees losing all its leaves, crashing towards the driver's seat. The lightning bolt made enough heat to melt the street beneath their feet. And the reason I read it like that is because. Then you read it? The raisin. Oh! Shots fired. Audience at home. You heard raisin, didn't you? Andrew? Sorry. Wow, we've officially reached the dumbest joke that we've ever made in all, what, 14 episodes of this podcast? I don't even know. We even have a podcast? I don't even know what I was doing. (laughs) Anyway, the reason I read it like that is because this sounds very peaceful, right? It starts off like, I like peace in the backseat. I don't have to drive. I can watch the countryside. I can fall asleep. And then like, it's that moment. And this is what I'm talking about where I'm like bad at sleep because this actually directly correlates to that where it's like, you're just drifting off. And then all of a sudden your brain is like my family trees losing all its leaves, crashing towards the driver's seat, the lightning bolt. It's we're going to get struck by lightning. The the street is going to melt beneath you. Oh my God. Stop the car. You have to stop. You're going to die. If you continue driving down this road, you're going to die. And the driver's like, Dude, it's okay. 
I'm just driving. Relax. They're like, you're high, man. Yeah. Yeah. My brain operates like that sober. Like, I don't need weed to, to throw me into a paranoid spiral of just like, what happened? Dude. But, but we're this, working we're, on it. We're working on it. But this, this kind of thing is so relatable of just like, I'm so relaxed right now. I'm so at peace. But what if lightning crashes? And what if it melts the street? And what if we're driving and the street is melted and we get stuck and then we get hit by lightning and we die? Damn. So I, I do know like this is the last song on Funeral and it's a Regine song. And I've always like liked it fine. It's never been my favorite song. But I do know that this is like a song that some people stand hard. So I was reading about it today a little bit. And it's very, it's, it's, it's like a lot more depressing than I realized. Like, I guess I never looked at the lyrics before this. And it's about, like, her mom dying and, like, the being basically, like, going from the kid in the back seat who gets to just chill and, like, look out the window to then mm. being the adult and having to drive. And, like, okay, so like, it really... is that sort of juxtaposition of, like, childhood innocence. Like, yes. Like, relaxation to adult anxiety and being an adult and it's like now you have to drive Mm. and i never even realized that but there is that moment like where you're no longer the person in the backseat anymore which is great like going from the like when you're a kid you never realize that but now it's like you drive you're no longer in the backseat you were the person driving that's what your dad used to do that's what your mom used to do right Mm. and now it's like you're the one doing that I appreciate that metaphor and I understand it. And, uh, you know, in many ways, everybody can relate to that. But on a literal level, when I was young, <laughs> always wanted to drive. Always. There was never, a, I like, mm-hmm. if, if my parents were yeah. at, when I was like six, if they told me, they, they didn't. But if they were like, hey, you can drive the car, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm doing it. I want to drive. Have, have you ever seen that video of that kid who stole his like aunt's car? No. He's like 10 year old kid who stole his son's car and he drove and they interview him and he's like, I like to do bad boy stuff with my friends. <laughs> oh, how old was he? It's like 10. Jesus. And he, stole, <laughs> he drove his, like, on, his aunt's car. Oh Can my God. Can you imagine God. just like being on the highway, like in a PT cruiser or some cool car? At and you 10. look to your And you look to your right and there's just like a 10 year old driving. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I would be uh, a little freaked out. There is, but I would, but you know what? Re- he he might have been better than some drivers on the road because there are some like yeah thirty year old oh, drivers yeah. where I'm just like, dude, you do not, ha- you should not have a license. Yes, of course, of course. I, I guess this is a less comedic moment, but like that's a really good metaphor. I like that a lot. I I guess I just never really appreciated the song enough. But I'm like, oh yeah, that there is that time in your life where you just like start doing the adult stuff and you're like, you never turn back. You're just now. You are now the person driving the car as your kid is in the backseat, and that's wild. Or if you're like me, you're driving the car alone, but in the backseat, baby, you got a full life-size San Diego chicken outfit. I don't know why, Mm. but it's there. (laughs) You got a blow-up sex doll that you pretend is your kid. And you're like, all right, honey, we're going to dance class today. I try to, I try, okay, listen, I just want to get into the car seat lane so I have a family of sex dolls. Shame me, okay? But I get to work five minutes earlier. (laughs) The cop pulls you over and he's like, are those sex dolls? I'm like, don't ask cop. 
<laughs> Please don't ask. And then the sex doll in the backseat like leans in and is like, we have ways of making this disappear, you know? You know what? You know how in Toy Story, the toys come to life? <laughs> I was aware of that. Yes. Maybe the sex dolls... I mean, in the Toy Story world, sex dolls must be a part of that, right? Toy Story After Dark, Andy um, is in a dry spell in college when suddenly he what catches his eye? Well, a hot little number sex doll made of nice vulcanized rubber named Fiona. And uh, and he goes into like the sex shop and he just sees the doll wink once and he's like, I always suspected. I always suspected. And then he takes the doll home and He's like, why won't why won't it do anything? I thought that I saw it wink. So he's like, ah, fuck it. He leaves it, and then Woody and Buzz make their acquaintance. <laughs> okay, this is going <laughs> off the rails. We're going off the rails tonight. Oh man. Okay. How did we We're get? Cut. How did we get from Arcade Fire to Woody and Buzz having sex consensually with a sex doll alcohol. who comes to life and who solicits them for sex? That's where anyway. I was going with that, okay? Arcade Fire, what a band. What a time. Um, I feel like I got to just say one story. You know this. Arcade Fire's song Intervention is randomly a, a karaoke song at every karaoke bar. They just carry Intervention. And it is my go-to karaoke song because it is so depressing. And it's about working weird for the song. church while your family dies. And it is a fucking jam and i cannot wait into post-covid world where i'm gonna walk into a bar filled with so much confidence take the mic and just sing intervention (laughs) yeah uh random song to have at a karaoke bar andy boy you want to tell the audience at home what this next segment is all about i just remembered it (laughs) this is why i just reached for a pen uh and it is about writing our own arcade fire lyrics i don't really know like what i guess i kind of have an idea all right let me let me let's try it out all right i got something it's not good it's not good at all but i got it one one second for me all right here we go i got i got something this is hard for me i feel like while arcade fire has similar lyrical themes i don't quite I can't like get that same sort of inflection in the way that yes. like there's some like Weezer maybe or mm-hmm. like um, even Lord and stuff like those people. I feel like I was able to do a little easier. Modest Mouse even this one was like, I feel like Arcade Fire. They've like <laughs> truly reinvented themselves every album that I was like, this is hard. Yeah. Also, I've gotten worse is. at this. I think as we've gone on, I think I've objectively <laughs> gotten worse at this segment. <laughs> And this proves it. This is my worst one. All right, let's hear it. All right. <clears throat> Audience at home, I title the song Neighborhood Number Five, The Revenge. Oh, shit. Here we go. Sequel. Sequel. And if I drive to the store, the candy store. I'll buy a Twizzler and put it up my butt. Yeah, a Twizzler 
What? So what you gonna do about that? Do you, again, okay, you had this with Kanye, and I'm gonna say it again. Do you think that Win Butler would actually say, I'm gonna put a Twizzler up my butt? This is supposed to be our own Arcade Fire lyrics. Do you really think that he would say that? <laughs> Every time we do this, I'm like, okay, I think that he's gonna have a good one, and it's just like, wh- why would he say that in an album or in a song? Okay, so I had a <laughs> I had a dilemma here, right? I originally wrote, "I'll put the Twizzler in my mouth," and I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is a comedy podcast. Should the Twizzler go in his mouth or his butt? I made a choice, and I stand by the choice. Okay. Boom. Shots fired. All right. <laughs> All right. You want to hear mine? This is this is so this segment as I understand I'll hear yours. It, this segment as I understand it is supposed to be our own arcade fire lyrics, our interpretation of what somebody like Win Butler would write. Okay? So this is and my com- Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it could okay. be comedic too, you know, you know. Right. Like of course well, Lord's not-, not gonna sing about the monster mash. <laughs> but I made her sing about-, sing about the monster mash. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. You ready? This, mm-hmm. all right, here it goes. I woke up in the middle of the night, frantic but wanting to cry. Drive out to the country to escape this mess, the cold caressing my tired chest. I tried, I swear, I tried to mend, but there's nothing left to defend. Do you think when Butler would really sing about the country? Oh my <laughs> God. You're right. He only sings about the suburbs. He doesn't sing about suburbs the or cities. Come on. <laughs> that was a dark, depressing lyric. Yes, it was depressed. I tried to get de- depressing. I tried to get he drives out. I tried to get mentioning the cold. I tried to get the night. I tried to get. All I think we both did an admirable job. Congratulations to us. Congratulations to the Lyric Boys podcast for finishing another episode of the Lyric Boys podcast. Hey, honeys. Hey, content hounds. Hey, Lyric Boy stands. Okay, stop shipping us. It's annoying. So you're sitting at home in your chair, in your car, in your house, whatever you're doing, making breakfast, making dinner, crying, whatever. You want to find more Lyric Boys action? Well, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and I don't know, maybe soon to be Clubhouse? Who knows? But you can find us at The Lyric Boys. We are there on social media. And we are ready to hear your compliments and your negativity. We're also on YouTube. So if you like to watch these videos and see our faces and, 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 and see the faces that belong to these dumb comments, you can. And hey, this has been a tough year. The pandemic, oh my god, what a tough year. And the only thing keeping me through it is watching the subscriber count of the Lyric Boys skyrocket. So if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, I gotta make Andrew happy, that man has a beautiful laugh, or Lucian needs to step off, and I don't even know where this joke is going, but you can subscribe to the Lyric Boys so you can never miss a podcast episode. We will do this every single week as long as you want it, but you got to comment. I want it. Okay. Bye.
Okay, one sec. If you like <laughs> the song that you hear underneath this, go to freelancer.ny. No, freelancerny.bandcamp.com. Okay, Freelancer is the name of my musical project. Uh, it is me. And uh, I got some demos and shit there. So go ahead. I feel like this podcast went off the rails within the last five minutes. And I don't know what that is. Anyway, you heard the man. Fucking listen to his music. He makes some bangers. And subscribe. Do what you got to do. Have a great whatever day of the week it is when you listen to this. Have a great time. We'll be back next week. We'll be seeing you. You guys look great. Have a great evergreen moment. <laughs>